Welcome to Whitechapel Church Online. You're currently listening to preaching from our Sunday services. We believe that when the preaching happens, that collectively we're hearing the Word of God, and that God's Word has the power to change who we are. We also believe that God can meet you right where you're at, and that He has a Word specifically for you. We hope that you enjoy today's sermon, and we would love to have you at an in-person service. Head over to whitechapelchurch.com to get more info. Enjoy the sermon, and be blessed. You'll turn with me over to the book of Hebrews. Um, sometimes, I'll, I'll just tell you, sometimes I forget where Hebrews is at, and so I have to like go through the... I have to like go through and sing the song that I learned when I was uh, in Sunday school of all the books of the Bible. And I figured out something that actually helps me. You go to the middle of the New Testament and go right just a little bit, and you'll get to the book of Hebrews. We're going to look in Hebrews. Hebrews to me is one that should be right after the book of John, but they didn't ask my opinion when they compiled all these books together. And so um, we're going to look at Hebrews this morning. And I just want to take a moment before we move any further. And, and I want to ask you to help me give a huge, huge, huge thanks to Ashley Tinsman for all of the work that she did coordinating this last weekend for us. So thank you so much, Ashley. I know that Ashley spent countless sleepless nights um, thinking about all of the details for last weekend. Ashley is the one who took the bull by the horns, uh, you could say, and she figured everything out. We supported her, encouraged her, and did the things that we needed to do, Um, but she was the one from the block party to our celebration on Sunday morning that just did an amazing job, and we are so thankful for you, Ashley. You just did an amazing job, and we, we thank you from the bottom of our hearts for all of that work, and thank you to all of you. Uh, There were so many of you who pitched in and served in so many different ways um, from standing at a bounce house for an hour and a half uh, to pulling tables out and setting up tents and uh, serving on Sunday morning and just doing so many different, so many different things. Uh, Thank you so much for last weekend of celebrating the decades of what God has been doing right here in South Daytona through the ministry of Whitechapel Church. But I really want to say thank you to James Alfano for making all of that barbecue. That was amazing, brother. So he worked for days to get all of that uh, for us. And so we were going to use a different uh, option. And James is like, I'll do it. I'm like, seriously? And so, I mean, that stirred a fire in him, and I was excited about it. So anyway, thank you. But so many of you did an amazing, amazing thing. Uh, last weekend, and it was awesome to see how God worked. The enemy was, of course, at work as well, uh, but our God is greater, and greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world, and so we saw the work of God, and I'm excited to see that continue. So last week, we talked about uh, the disciples' journey with Jesus, specifically in Luke chapter 17. And in Luke chapter 17, verse 5, you don't have to turn there. I just want to put it up on the screen as a reminder for you. The apostles were walking with Jesus, 
Jesus was, has done some teaching here. It's amazing to me that after this, Jesus began to do some amazing, some additional miracles. Um, but in this point, in Luke 17, verse 5, last week we looked at this verse specifically and launched from there, and we're going to continue that this morning. The apostle said to the Lord three things, three words, increase our faith increase our faith. And then we talked about last week how we have an amazing legacy of faith. Uh, As we gather here at Whitechapel Church, we see the legacy that's been handed to us. Some of you may be like our family. Uh, You may be new to Whitechapel Church, and that's exciting. Uh, But you have a legacy of faith that's been handed to you as well. And so we want to build on that legacy of faith. Because it was a faith journey that led you here to be a part of this ministry and wherever you're at. And so we want to build on that legacy of faith. Or that maybe it's just a seed that's in your life. Maybe it's a seed that has grown and it has some roots. Maybe it's a huge, huge, massive tree and it has some huge, huge roots. We want to continue building on that legacy of faith. And so this is what we're going to take a look at in Hebrews chapter 5 and in the beginning of Hebrews chapter 6 this morning. But before we read there, I want to share with you, I can do this because uh, being a pastor, I think God's greatest gift are giving me illustrations with my own children. And I love doing this, and they hate doing this, but I get their permission to do this now before I do it. I've learned. I want to share a photo of Abby with you. Isn't she just the most beautiful little baby? Uh, this was Abby eating, uh, eating one of her meals, and this is what it was like to eat with Abby for about the first two to three years of her life. Um, if we could get it in her mouth fast, then Abby was happy. It wasn't just when Abby was a baby, but it really was up until she was about three years old. It was at this point, and Abby, I think she was about a year and a half old here. Um, Melissa and I had an evening out. My mom came from Missouri, and she was watching Abby for us. And uh, Abby, had, Abby was not eating like tons of solid food at this point. Um, so we are out in that evening, and my mom called. She had ordered pizza for her and Lucy, and I think my niece was there as well. And so they had had pizza, and my mom said, and granted, Abby's only about maybe, maybe a year and a half old, right in, right in there somewhere. My mom said, Abby has already eaten three pieces of pizza. Is that okay? What grandmas do is they just like keep giving and they keep giving and they keep giving food. And if you want more, you get more and more and more food. Abby was like a little bird. Her mouth was open every time that she saw food. And the expectation from Abby was that the food that you had was going to go into her. And it took us just a little bit of time to realize that you have to make a decision to stop feeding Abby. Because as long as you would feed her, she would actually eat. And so we said to my mom, Mom, no, she can't have three pieces of pizza that you've already given to her. You have to stop feeding Abby because she just keeps on eating. This is one of my favorite photos of Abby. Um, Again, food everywhere, uh, all over her, but that was just life actually with Abby. It was kind of like... um, do you remember watching Sesame Street and there was Cookie Monster? And Cookie was like, nom, 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 nom. that's exactly what it sounded like when Cookie Monster was eating the cookies. Uh, you just had to stop with Cookie Monster on all of the cookies. Well, that was life 
with Abby. And so um, I was thinking about this message this morning, and I was thinking about Abby, and then um, as I was processing everything with Abby, the Lord uh, began to share, remind me of actually my journey um, and what my journey was like uh, with food. Uh, and so I have had, um, over the last number of years, like a roller coaster ride. And I think it probably is a lot of us. It's probably, I know it's not unique to me. You have a roller coaster ride with food. And so you have these ups and you have these downs. Uh, just before I came here to Whitechapel Church, the Lord really convicted me of how unhealthy I was being in eating and consuming food. Food became something that I actually enjoyed. Um, man, I love anything that Reese's makes. I love anything. If it's got peanut butter and chocolate in it, and it comes in an orange little package or those little gold foil things, man, I love that. And so one of the things before we came here to Whitechapel, the Lord really convicted me of, was there was a purpose for food. And I was not consuming food for the purpose in which God actually gave us food. I was choosing and selecting foods actually for the taste and it being something that I liked, or some of it, what I actually discovered was actually boredom of just sitting around doing nothing. And I thought I had to have ice cream or I had to have some type of chips or something to actually snack on. And so there was this journey that the Lord took me on. Just before I came, I lost 100 pounds uh, before we came here to Whitechapel Church. Uh, I could show you pictures, and I don't want to get into all of that. Um, and then there's, there's just this constant up and down and constant up and down. But I was consuming things not for the reasons that they were actually given, and that was food for me. And, you know, I think we actually do that in the church as well. We consume and we want to actually be consumers and actually take in stuff, not food, not as food, but actually as a church. And so we then just want to actually be consuming. And so we come to church and we consume. We come to church and we consume. We watch church online and we consume. We read different things and we consume that. And we're doing all of this of taking in and taking in and we taking and taking in. But God has put on my heart this question that I want you to think about. What are we doing with all the stuff that we consumed? What are you doing with the stuff that you're consuming? So in food, let's think about that for a minute. The Lord began pushing me to think about what was the purpose that I was actually eating something? What was this actually going to do to my body? Was it going to fuel my body, which is the ultimate purpose of food? Or was it going to actually just make my taste buds happy and send some type of stimulation to my brain to think, oh, that is good, so therefore it must make me happy? So that is in the physical, but what about in the spiritual world? What are you doing with all the stuff that you're consuming? As we gather in church on Sunday morning and we're led in worship by some amazing, gifted, anointed musicians and we experience worship and we experience great songs and then we hear sermons and we take all of this stuff in, what are you doing with that? What are you doing with all of the spiritual stuff, if you will, that you are actually consuming? I think that one of the greatest attacks of the enemy is that he has made us spiritually obese. 
spiritually obese, meaning that we're consuming more than we allow God to use in our life. So if we were to think about food and think about what they tell us about food, you should eat on average a 2,000 calorie diet. And in eating food, we know that if you consume more than 2,000 calories, but you don't do something to actually burn those calories, your body thinks, I need to store this up for fat for later consumption so that I can then begin to use it and I am then able to store that for future use. So then in the spiritual world, in thinking about becoming spiritually obese, what happens is that we consume and we consume and we consume. We take in and we take in and we take in, but we never put that into action. That is spiritually obese. And the enemy has lured the church into this mindset of we just have to take in and take in and take in, and then we are right with God. That's not being right with God. That is being spiritually obese. Being spiritually obese is something that we have to actually recognize because if we're called to be a refuge of grace, the temptation for us is to be grace hoarders and hang on to that grace, but never share the measure of grace that God has actually given to us. And so we have to stop being spiritually obese and then know that we are taking in so that God can use us and actually put it out and actually use that. The church is where we get fed. But if you're getting fed more than you are expending that in your life spiritually, then you'll just get larger and larger and larger and actually become spiritually obese. The temptation from the enemy is that we go to church to get fed. We get fed in worship. We get fed in the message. We read daily devotions so that we can get fed. We read God's Word so that we can get fed. We're a part of Bible study so that we can get fed. We're a part of community groups so that we can get fed. We like reading articles or books from some spiritually uh, wise people so that we can get fed. But what are you doing with all the spiritual stuff that you are actually being fed? Now, I want you to understand that there is a purpose in all of that. There's a purpose for why we gather. There's a purpose for why we worship. There's a purpose for why we are part of Bible studies and community groups, and we are part of being together in unity as a body of believers. But we can't just take it in. We have to allow God to use us in every area of our life. And Paul in Hebrews chapter 5 is addressing this very issue that is taking place in the church. I think Paul wrote Hebrews. There's some people much, much smarter than I am who say it was this person or that person, and they can have their opinions because they know about certain as I do who wrote Hebrews. But I think it was actually Paul. There's a lot of similarities here. So if you look at Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11, we're going to read a few verses here where Paul is addressing some spiritually obese people. And he says, it's time for us to say what the disciples said in Luke chapter 17, verse 5. Lord, increase our faith. But as the Lord increases our faith, the expectation is that we do something with that faith. 
Because you can't cry, increase my faith, just for the sake of having more faith. That, in and of itself, is not what God requires of us. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11. Paul says, We have much to say about this, but it is hard to explain because you are slow to learn. Man, what a sentence that's been written here for the believers. I've got a lot that I want to tell you. He's called them out, hasn't he? There's so much that I want to tell you. There's so much meat. There's so much, as we sang, there's so much honey in the rock for you. But I can't tell you these things because you're slow to learn. Then in verse 12, he says, In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truth of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Do you catch what Paul says here in verse 14? You've been taught, and you've been taught, and you've been taught, and you've been taught. And I want to tell you so much more. But I'm not able to tell you because the things that you've been taught, you haven't done anything with. You know what Paul is saying? They are spiritually obese because they're just consuming and taking in, but they're not doing anything with that which they've consumed. And so their spiritual body's just building up and building up and building up. And there's no spiritual activity to burn that which they've actually consumed. And then in verse 14, Paul says, solid food is for the mature who by constant use, listen, have trained themselves to distinguish from good and evil. Do you see what's going on here is there's been a lot of teaching, but there's never been any activity after that spiritual activity after that teaching. And what the author Paul is saying here is I've done we've done so much teaching. You've taken it in, you've consumed it, but all you've done is consumed and you've never put it into practice in training yourself to be able to distinguish between right from wrong or good or evil. You see, there's a responsibility that's being laid out here at the end of Hebrews chapter 5 for us to say, it's not Whitechapel's faith. It's not Dr. Berkowitz's faith. It's not Grace Bevel's faith. It's not my grandmother's faith. It's not my mother or my father's faith. But instead, it is my faith because it is my relationship with the one who died for me. And I've got to stop being spiritually obese and consuming and start doing a few things for myself. Paul says, there's a problem here. And the problem is in who he is actually writing to. And then in chapter 6, this is what Paul says. Therefore, there's a change that's being proposed here. He says at the end of chapter 5, here's the problem. You're spiritually obese, and you've consumed and you've consumed spiritually, but you've never put it into practice. And then he says, therefore. Therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity. Here, there's a roadmap that's being placed. There are a roadmap that's actually being painted or actually drawn for us. We're not going to live off of the past. 
But instead, what we're going to do is say, God, use me. God, I want to grow up spiritually. God, I want to be spiritually mature. I don't want to be spiritually obese. I want to be used by you. I want to experience your presence. I want to lead other people to experiencing your presence. And Paul says, we're going to leave the elementary, and we are going to instead become spiritually mature. Not laying again, verse 1, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God. Verse 2, instruction about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, the eternal judgment, and God permitting, we will do so. What he's saying is, you've already learned all of these things. We've already instructed you on all of these things. You have experienced walking in relationship with Jesus Christ. You have experienced his salvation. You have gone through repentance. You have been baptized. You've sat in church services. You've worshiped him. And now it's time to do something with all of that you've experienced and put it into practice so that you can go on to spiritual maturity instead of just being a lazy listener to the instructions from the scripture. Paul says, put it into practice. So I ask you again, what are we doing with all the stuff that we've consumed? What are we doing with all of the spiritual instruction and worship that we have experienced? What is it that we are doing with the measure of grace of God that we've received in this refuge of grace? So what are we doing with it? Are we content to live on the legacy of the past? Or are we going to cry out like the disciples, Lord, increase my faith and increase my faith so that I can do something with the faith that you've actually given to me? You cannot cry. I would even go so far as to say it is a sin to cry, increase my faith just for the sake of having more faith. Because Jesus said, you can have faith, but yet do nothing with it. There were miracles that he wouldn't work. Miracles that he would not work. Because people weren't doing anything with the faith that they had. So what are you doing with all of the stuff that you have actually consumed? I don't think there would be any more accurate description than the United States that we live in, then we have just been lulled into laziness. I'm not talking about in the church. I think it started in our culture, and it has spilled over into the church. And so what happens is we have created all of this stuff that really just becomes wasters of time in our life. Video games. Yeah, there's an element of entertainment that's in that. But if it's just eating up your time and you've got an addiction to that, it's lulled you into a laziness. The internet, we go on and on. Social media, reality TV, reality TV. we find all kinds of different ways to waste our time because we think that we actually need a break and we need to step outside of the hustle and bustle, but instead what we're taking uh, a break with has actually lulled us into a laziness and we just consume and we consume and we consume and instead what we've been, what's happened is we've been lulled into this pattern that we don't realize we're just getting fatter and fatter and fatter and fatter. 
Because we think we're just being entertained. My, how there's an implication of that in the church today. We want awesome worship. We want awesome preaching. We want awesome services. We want the best of this, and we want the best of this. And I'm not saying that those things are wrong, but I'm saying whenever we are worshiping those things, then the one who that they were actually made for, then we just become spiritual, uh, spiritually obese by becoming consumers and consumers and consumers, and then we actually do nothing with our faith. I believe... I believe that God is calling us as a church to actually live out the challenge here in Hebrews chapter 6. To say we're going to move past the elementary teachings. We're going to get past just this simple stuff. And we are going to become giants of the faith. Because we are going to put our faith into practice. We're going to get out of the lunchroom spiritually. And we're going to get into the spiritual weight room. So that as our faith increases, we're actually able to do something with that faith that God is actually giving to us. Paul says in verse 12 here, and watch this. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk. Not solid food. Lord, I pray, I pray that that verse would never be said about us here at Whitechapel Church. I don't want people to teach us. I want to be the one teaching the world. I believe that God wants us to be the ones to say, God, use me. Increase my faith so that I don't have to be taught, but instead I can be the one that's actually being taught. If God has given us the dream of sending out leaders, and listen, he gave that dream to this church. One of the ways that plays out is to the school. We don't say to the school, here, you go do this, and we'll just be over here. God has given us the dream of sending out a countless number of leaders. That dream was given to this church a few decades ago. We have to then be the ones that's actually teaching the ones that are going to be sent out. And if we're not the ones that are doing the teaching, God's going to bring in somebody else to do the teaching. Because God's dreams will always be accomplished. The question is, are we going to come in alignment with God's dream and become spiritually mature? Or are we going to say, God, I'm over here. Just give me the milk because the milk tastes better than the solid spiritual food that you're wanting me to grow up into. God, give me a teacher so that I can be taught so that I don't have to be the one actually doing the teaching. Paul says, stop all of this stuff. Grow up. Stop being spiritually uh, obese. And then live. Live out the basic principles of asking the Lord to increase our faith. You see, your faith will not increase unless you do something with it. How many of you as parents have actually ever said this in, in a roundabout way to your kids? I'm not going to give you this because when I gave you this, you did nothing with it. You're never going to be able to do this because you weren't able to do this. And it wouldn't be wise of me as a parent to give you this because you've never even done this. Well, this works in the spiritual realm as well. God will never increase our faith until we do something with the faith that we actually have. You don't go from zero to a thousand in one spiritual second. It is a roadmap of spiritual maturity that God is growing us into. That was what Jesus did with his disciples and why he had to spend 
about 10,000 or more waking hours, three to three and a half years with his disciples. Because they couldn't go from being called to actually launching the church without some investment and growing and their faith actually increasing. And then we get in the middle of it, and in Luke chapter 17, verse 5, they realize, hey, God, we need more faith to do the stuff that you're calling us to do. When you're telling us all of this stuff that's going to happen, we need more faith. And you know what? To accomplish God's dreams for us in this refuge of grace, we need more faith. But before we get to the more faith, we have to do something with the faith that he's given to us right here today in August of 2022. God is calling us to more. God is willing to lead you to the more of growing spiritually mature. But you don't get there overnight. It starts with the little faith that you have and it increases and it increases and it increases so that you get to the more. What happened with the disciples? They were not called on day one and responded when Jesus said, follow me. And immediately they were casting out demons and raising the dead and healing people. No, that's not how it worked. That didn't start immediately. What happened was they grew in their faith. They were growing to be spiritually mature. Jesus was pouring in and he was investing so that when the, when the moment was right for him to be crucified, resurrected, and then ascend back to his throne in heaven, then they were ready to go out. But it was this measured progress of faith. And you know, there were even times that they were growing in their faith and then they would start arguing. There was one instance where they started arguing over who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, who was going to get to sit next to Jesus, who was going to be the favorite, and who was going to be the chosen, the anointed one for Jesus. And that was a moment that they went a little backwards in their faith. So even in the people that Jesus was with physically here on the earth, it wasn't a a continuous progression constantly of their faith. There was a faith journey that every one of us experienced. We go forward sometimes, then we go backwards a little bit, and then we come forward, and then we struggle, and we go back. And so this is constant progression. But notice what the disciples didn't do. They didn't just take all of this faith, consume everything spiritually so that they could grow spiritually obese. Instead, they applied their faith. And then we get to the book of Acts, and oh my, how things changes. Man, how things change. Because they had done something with their faith. The church was launched. The Holy Spirit came. And from that moment forward, everything had been changed. And right, our wrong had been made right from, the begin, from Genesis chapter 3 that God was preparing for that moment. Because there were a group of 11 people at this point who allowed their faith to come to maturity so that God could use them. God today wants a group of people that are willing to walk with him and to join in partnership in a refuge of grace so that we together can become spiritually mature to accomplish God's dreams that he has for every single one of us. But your faith won't increase until you do something with it. So I go back and ask you this question again. What are you doing with all of the spiritual stuff that you've consumed? What are you doing with all the spiritual stuff that you've consumed? And I want to give you two examples. And I'll end with these two examples this morning. It's Peter and Judas. There's two people who both did the same thing. 
They both betrayed Jesus. Both of them betrayed Jesus. Judas sold him out for some silver. Peter denied him three times. I don't know that guy. Nope, don't know who that is. Nah, never been with him, never seen him, but don't know who that is. Both of them betrayed Jesus. But you know what? One of them did something with their faith. One of them denied their faith. Peter allowed the faith that he had to draw him back to repentance so that he could then be spurred to spiritual maturity. Judas got stuck. You know what I think? I think Judas was spiritually obese because we see that Judas did nothing with his faith. And the scriptures tell us that he went out and he hung himself. Both of them did the same thing. But what was different? Peter did something with his faith. He did something with his faith. So what are you doing with your faith? What are you doing with your faith? Well, we can't cry out, God, increase my faith, if we're not doing anything with the faith that we actually have. We can't expect to see miracles. We can't expect to see a powerful move of God if we're not doing anything with the faith that we have. You see, it's not enough to live on the faith of the past. We have to allow the faith that we have to be put into action so that we then grow into spiritually mature Christians. So what are you doing with the faith that you have? Let me tell you, I'm not content being fat and happy in the church. I don't want to be a part of a fat and happy church. I want to be a part of a faith-filled church that is expending that faith and putting it into action so that God can stretch us and mold us and make us into exactly who he desires for us to be. Several decades ago, there was a very successful college football coach named Bud Wilkinson. Bud and his Oklahoma Sooners won three national championships of what it was at the time, 13 successive conference champs, a record that is yet to be broken to this day. And from 1953 to 1957, his Oklahoma Sooners won 47 straight games. Bud was in Dallas, and he was actually giving a series of lectures about physical fitness. And a reporter came and interviewed Bud and was asking him about the president's physical fitness program. And this is what the reporter asked him. Mr. Wilkinson, what would you say is the contribution of modern football to physical fitness? And as if Bud had been waiting for decades for this question to be asked, he said, absolutely nothing. And the reporter looked at him and then said, well, would you care to elaborate on your answer? And he said, certainly. I define football as 22 men on the field who desperately need rest and 50,000 people in the stands who desperately need exercise. (laughs) So which one are you a part of? Are you a part of the 22 or are you a part of the 50,000? 
Are you willing to get into the game and put everything on the faith field and say, God, I'm going to do everything I can? Or are you content to sit in the stands with the 50,000 and cheer everybody else on? Who are you a part of? The 22 or the 50,000? Paul says, it's time for us to grow up. It's time for us to leave the elementary teachings, and it's time for us to put our faith into action. Whitechapel, this was written about 2,000 years ago, but I believe that it's something that we have to apply today in 2022. Paul says, therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again the foundations But instead, but instead, in verse 5 he says, to have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers and then put it into action. Are you a part of the, are you a part of the 22? Are you a part of the 50,000? I think you have to ask yourself the question this morning, what is keeping you from becoming spiritually mature? What is keeping you with the elementary teachings? Is it partial submission? God, I'm good today. I'm out tomorrow. Today I'm going to live for you, but tomorrow just give me this day because I'm going to go. Is it partial submission? Not a total 100% commitment that is sold out, submitted, surrendered to God? Is it a sometimes faith of where you're in and you're out, you're good, and then you're out? It's this back and forth ping pong match of your faith. Is it sin that's keeping you from growing into spiritual maturity? Is it something that just tastes so good to your physical body that you hang on to that and you think, man, if I could just keep this, then I'll be good in my faith? Is it sin that's keeping you from going into spiritual maturity? Is it a relationship with somebody? Is it a relationship with someone that's preventing you from going on to spiritual maturity? Is it that type of a compromise that you're so sold out to somebody that you're not willing to to give yourself completely to the king? Or is it some type of distraction in your life? You have to answer the question this morning. What is it that is keeping you from spiritual maturity? And now in this moment, you have to lay it down. You have to lay it down in total surrender to Jesus Christ. You know what? He is a way maker. He is a way maker. But if you won't get on the way with him, then you're content with elementary teachings and you'll never reach spiritual maturity. If you don't follow his way, then you're just becoming spiritually obese. So in this moment, I invite you into a relationship with Jesus of 100% total surrender. Not content in living off the faith of the past, but instead doing something with the faith that God has given to us today. Thanks for joining us at Whitechapel Church Online. 
We pray that today's sermon blessed you and that you'll continue to join us as we lean into God's word together. Until next time, have a great week and be blessed.